Welcome, weary traveler, to the How Not to DM podcast. You look tired and cold. Come in, stay a while, and rest your weary bones by the fire. And now, a word from our sponsor. Seeds of Decay is a 5th edition adventure, player's guide, and bestiary from acclaimed fantasy artist and game designer Daryl T. Jones. Save the forest with dozens of new hero options, a new foraging and crafting system, and wondrous contraptions. There is even rules for playing tiny characters. Seeds of Decay is a must-have supplement for your current campaign, or can be used as a standalone setting. Coming to Kickstarter January 11th, 2022. Sign up to be notified at seedsofdecay.com. And now to our guest intro. This especially spooky episode's guest is Beth the Bard, author of the wildly popular She is the Ancient. A gender-bent curse of Strahd guide made to chill you to your core. Join us as we talk about her origin story, current projects, and the scariest thing of all, running games for children. <laughs> Alright, well, hello, I'm Beth the Bard. I got into TTRPGs because I really wanted to be part of a community, and nerds seemed like the good community to join. I grew up with, like, you know, very religious family stuff and felt very lonely when I left them and that, and yeah, this kind of seemed like a, like a really cool <laughs> situation happening over here. So I was like, I'll learn the game and then I'm gonna meet people and I'm gonna make new family. And that is how I got hooked into that. And also role-playing is amazing, theater kids. So I'm all about the the theatrics of D&D. And that's, I think, why I like DMing more than I like playing, which you would think like, oh, as a player, you get to, you know, I get to cosplay and I get to embody this one character and give it 100%, but it's like, no, no, no. I could also do that with five characters, 10 characters. I love DMing. <laughs> yeah. So did you start as a player then or did you start straight out as a DM? I started straight out as a DM. Once I figured out what a DM was, because, you know, I got the starter kit and I was like, let's play it. And I sat down treating it like Monopoly, like, let's just open it and go. And I was like, huh, what? <laughs> so once I figured out that there was supposed to be a central storyteller, I was like, ha, 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 well, obviously that will be me. And yeah, I just started out for my family, which was cool. The first one I ran for them was this cute little one shot by RNW called The Fayfair. And it's still to this day one of my favorite session, like one of my favorite campaigns ever to run. And I mean, we did the Lost Minds as well, but this was amazing. And I invited my sister-in-law and my brother over and we just, we threw pizza all over the table and I made all the props and everything. It was like mm -hmm. full blown, like printables, minis, uh, colorful maps, all of that. And 
I didn't really know what I was doing, but I was like, let's wing it anyways. And at some point, my toddler had come up and thrown one of his T-Rex toys on the battle map. And we were like, yes, and. And so we had to fight a T-Rex and it was really cool. <laughs> wow, you really did it big for your first game then. That's impressive. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> my first game was with my coworkers on a whiteboard, like in a conference room. You know, that was our map was the whiteboard on the wall. So... <laughs> Not not nearly as cool, but, you know, it, to each their own. So this is really the question I love asking the most in the show, which is your mistakes and the, the problems that you may have run into. So what are some of the big mistakes you feel like you've made running games? And what are the lessons that you learned from these mistakes that other people can try to avoid themselves? So many mistakes, but... <laughs> I will start with me getting into it and like actually running professionally and things like that. I loved running it. I felt like I couldn't be a DM other than to my kids until I had memorized all the rules and really had absorbed the books because I didn't want to do it wrong. I didn't want to like, I didn't want to upset anyone and things like that. But the problem for me is I have ADHD hardcore. <laughs> so the idea of even being able to sit down and absorb a book the first five times reading it is not possible for me anyways. Mm -hmm. And so I spent so much time like, I can't, I can't, I can't, I need to be better first. And then at some point I was like, screw it. There was an opportunity that came up at the workshop place. My kids do like their homeschooling classes. And I was like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to make some money. I'm going to run for other people. And I just jumped into it and it became easier to understand the rules and everything that was in the book by doing it. So yeah, maybe I wasn't the greatest DM that first semester, but the kids didn't know. <laughs> they were like, this is a blast. This goblin's my new best friend. I'm like, yes. <laughs> so and I think because I jumped into it, not fully understanding everything, it helped me be better at the rule of cool as a dungeon master because it's like, well, I don't see why not. Or yeah, you want to do this? Let's make it happen. What do we want to make up for this? And I, I've carried that today. So I know, I know the rules really well now. Do I follow them? No, because it was kind of certain things were a lot more fun before I knew all the rules versus after knowing them all. And so it's like, eh, screw the rules. It's all just guidelines. <laughs> yeah, they, they really are. And Honestly, I think that people who jump in like that bring their fresh perspectives and ideas to the table that otherwise, like you said, if you had just read through the rules first, then all of the stuff that's coming up, if you had known the rule, you may have tried to follow the rules exactly instead of... Instead of just letting the game flow. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm not saying there's a right and a wrong way to learn how to run the game, but I think that there's a lot to be said for the way you did it, for sure. Yeah, just relax on into it, play. And then same with uh, DMing. You know, I have a lot of people that are like, I really want to DM, but I'm afraid to. I don't think I'm going to do it good enough. It's like, yeah, you might not. It might not even be the first hundred times that you feel confident in it, but you still got to like jump in and start doing it over and over and over again until you feel like you've got your own flow and stop comparing yourself to other dungeon masters. Like, yeah, they are really good at what they do. You be really good at what you do, even if it is completely different and people are like, you're not supposed to do it that way. Do it that way. You just DM'd in a unique way. And if you're comfortable, have fun. You're supposed to have fun. It's a game. Yeah, it's a game. Like <laughs> It's a game. 
I think a lot of people forget that. <laughs> oh, man. Let's talk about some of your favorite moments running games. This could be for, you know, this could be part of your streams or it could be part of the games you're running for kids or for your family. You know, it doesn't really matter to me, but favorite moments that could be improv, that could be combat, role-playing. And again, what lessons do you think people can take away from your favorite moments and how they can kind of recreate those feelings and that fun at the table? Oh my gosh, I have so many favorite moments. Uh, with kids, especially. Uh, you know, I had one kid that wanted to play a ground worm as their race and I was like okay we're gonna we're gonna put that together and there's just these wild moments we're going through this this spooky story and they're they have to jump off this this ledge and this kid playing the groundworm is like can I like can can I get flattened and 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 puffed out like a balloon type thing and then they just like a parachute and they parachute me down i'm like what like a magic carpet or whatever <laughs> yes and all these kids were like oh they thought it was the the greatest thing they'd ever heard and i was like nowhere nowhere in my planning or prep hmm okay so it's like we figure out the logistics they thought it was the greatest thing they'd ever done and it's just little things like that like i recently ran a lost mine of fandelver they were digging through barrels and they're like you know it's like there's frozen or not frozen, um, uh, salted, what is it? Uh, preserved food, like meats and things. And they're like, are there, is there a bucket of preserved frogs? And I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah, the red brands really love frogs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a bucket of preserved frogs. And so they're like, cool, I am going to pull them all out and I'm going to use my healing magic on every single one of them. And I'm like... Okay. And so then the rest of the Lost Mine of Fandelver, we had this little army of frogs that they had made little leather jackets and little daggers for just hopping around the whole time. And I'm like, sure, why not? And I love it. So and then even for my adults, you know, I think the only adult group I'm actually running for currently because of scheduling is my She is the Ancient show on Gilding Light. And it's like, hey, you got to get into the winery. Uh, you want to go through the front door? And one of my players is like, mm, I'm going to eat the dirt down to the basement and then punch a hole through the wall into the basement. And I'm like, sure you are. Yep. That's, that's what we're going to. Yep. So we called it the dig slurping and he had to roll to dig slurp. And I don't know. I don't, I love the moments that I couldn't possibly plan for that make no sense whatsoever, but like everybody's laughing so hard. They're trying not to like lose composure yeah recently my players polymorphed a dragon and they took an owl familiar and flew this cat up you know a thousand feet and just dropped the polymorphed dragon that was polymorphed into a cat down to the ground and i was like all right <laughs> so there goes that dragon uh luckily there were other things they were fighting too but yeah exactly that it's like yeah i i did not ever plan that um <laughs> you know, it's a, a younger dragon, so that's why it failed at save. Anybody who's sitting there like, well, it, it shouldn't. Anyway, so no legendary resistances or anything, and it just got slaughtered. But, you know, that's it was amazing, <laughs> and they still talk about it, right? So same concept. Yes. Yeah. It's those moments that you can make. One of my favorite things to do in session, especially with, like, my teenagers, we make memes after a session. And yes. we just share the memes in Discord. Yes. And any of those moments that are memeable, it's like that 
That right there. That is the life force of D&D for me. <laughs> you mentioned that you run games for younger kids and for family. Uh, so I want to ask you just about that. How, how have you had to adjust the way you run games for younger <laughs> people versus older people um, for anybody who's kind of thinking about running games for, for younger audiences? Well, for younger audiences... I actually, so I find that I have to, I have to ahead of time with my younger groups, I have to be like, I've got some rules. One, we're going to, we're going to follow for equipment and things like that. We're going to follow rules as written. Mm -hmm. I get that you want to make a crossbow that instant kills five targets in one hit without rolling for it. I love it. I love the creativity, but it's super unfair to the other kids playing <laughs> when they come in and they're like, you know, they've, they've really picked out their items and things like that so i've had to be like we're, we're we're doing rules as written if you want a custom race talk to me about it i will help you put it together and what i do is like one kid wanted to be a baby dragon they didn't and i was like so like a dragonborn they're like no i want to be a baby dragon i was like <laughs> okay cool we can do that i made them a dragonborn sheet i scribbled out dragonborn and wrote baby dragon <laughs> they, they had no idea i'm like it's mechanically balanced you call it whatever you want um, so I kind of, you know, keep it, keep it like that. And I also make a very strong rule, no evil aligned characters, unless you are all evil aligned because you have to be a team in order to make this work. So, um, you know, I like to use cause a lot of kids love to be these edgy rogues and I'm like, okay, be an edgy rogue, but use Inigo Montoya as your example of a rogue who has their own agenda they have their life mission, very edgy, but also excellent team player, please. <laughs> um, the other thing is, yeah, no evil alignment unless you're all evil. And uh, oh, no PvP. I have to, I just hard no on that because I got to make it a safe space. Um, so that includes stealing from each other. Uh, with my adult groups, I'm like, do what you want. Like... <laughs> you know, keep, we're, we're keeping it balanced. Like I still typically do raw rules and such for my adults. But other than that, I'm like, if you want to punch each other in the face, go for it. Right. And they do. <laughs> and hopefully the older <laughs> crowds are, are, you know, able to handle that kind of PVP stuff, right? Like, yeah, I'm sure there are many stories where they don't, you know, Reddit is full of them. But but yeah, <laughs> if you know, they can handle it then. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> And now, a word from our sponsors. Spawn of Chaos is a dark fantasy Dungeons & Dragons actual play show featuring professional actors, immersive visual effects and sound design, and an original music score. If you like shows like Critical Role or Dimension 20, you'll definitely want to tune in. Each episode is about 90 minutes long, making it easy to start listening. Become part of the growing community by searching Spawn of Chaos on YouTube or visiting their website at chaosawaits.com. Is Friday is bringing together a diverse cast for a live play of the DM's Guild adamantine bestseller Shore of Dreams. Get inspired by the incredible cast and see the Tempest Beast for yourself October 27th on twitch.tv slash isfriday. Let us return to the show. You mentioned your adult game is a streamed game and you're playing through She is the Ancient, which you wrote. So 
please tell us about what She is the Ancient is, where you got the idea from, and how it evolved into its current form. So, uh, yeah, back when I was getting into D&D, I discovered, oh my gosh, there's a vampire campaign, and I was immediately smitten because I was a high schooler once. Like, vampires. It's a thing. I never did get sucked into Twilight, but like all the other vampires. I grew up on (laughs) Anne Rice. You know, Lestat is like, "Mm, I love it so much. And so I got very excited about it. And then I was reading it. I was like, oh, it's it's Dracula. And then I was like, oh, mm." (laughs) Mm -hmm. I don't don't see very many women. And the only ones I do see, I don't really like what's happening here. So I just started like altering it. Um, at first, just blatantly, like, making these, you know, sad little men, like, damsels in distress, and, uh, it was hilarious. I ran a couple games like that, and everybody was like, wow, I really, I really hate Eastmark, who was the, so it was Irina, turned him into Eastmark. Everything was the same, except the gender. It was, it was wild. They were like, mm, I, I just, I can't stand this character now, and I was like, yeah, but you could stand them if they were a woman like previously because you feel the need to help and save her and protect her and so I kind of I was kind of seeing these double standards and getting more annoyed with it and finally was like screw it let's actually just sit down and now that we've run it a couple times what story changes do we want to make and I just just kind of jumped in and got my hands dirty with it and then started play testing that and it was going pretty well. And so I had like, I had all the ideas and everything swirling around in my head for a while. And I didn't know DMs Guild existed. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I only realized that I could do something with this content and maybe make money with it. But about three, four months before I published it was when I was like, wait, I could do something with this information. Uh, so then I started started kind of planning that and first thing I did was reach out to an artist that I really admired I was like I just have this beautiful visual that you would do the art for this and so I set that in motion and started talking to people sorry just really quick <laughs> yeah the cover is incredible Yorsi Hernandez the shading like the light on the one side of the face and the dark on the other and the wisps of hair yeah yeah it's just oh my gosh it is so evocative and so cool I was I was blown away when I first saw it. So, yeah. Yeah, Yorsi, um he he's actually like so he's doing the cover art for my for my next book too, and he did two pieces for me, the the cover piece and then there's um a piece of art on the inside of the book that he did as well, which was like the more Nosferatu vampire look because I was like, well, I'm getting a two for one kind of deal. Let's do two vampire portraits and I'll probably use that for like a volume 2 or like a journal to go with it or something like that as a front cover. But um, I have him set up to do, uh, he's he's currently working on the cover for the next book too. And I'm very excited about it. He's amazing. I'm going to try and persuade him to be the Johnny Depp to my Tim Burton and just like always do my cover art. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, that's that's so cool. So it came out of necessity then. You, you read through Strahd, you probably started playing it and you're like, I don't like this, 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 and through your own kind of homebrewing you realized that you could create something new and different and interesting from the framework that was a module so that's that's awesome i love that yeah 
and then discovered DM's Guild and was like, oh, cool. <laughs> sure, <Yeah>. why not? <laughs> <laughs> so have you published any... I, I guess you kind of answered that already. You didn't know DM's Guild existed, so you haven't published stuff like this in the past. <laughs> no, I no. haven't, but I am hooked. I'm I'm ready to make DM's Guild like my full-time career. <laughs> yeah, you you probably could. We've talked about this a little bit, but um, it's it's reached gold status on DM Skilled, right? So sold a ton of copies. Which blows my mind. <laughs> and it's still going strong. Halloween's coming up. I'm sure people are looking for stuff. I feel like this is a testament to the fact that this kind of content is needed, right? There is there's a market for this more inclusive, more interesting content out there. These modules that don't have all of the awful stereotypes and don't have the sexism and, and that kind of thing as undertones in them. And I, I feel like, you know, you really struck a nerve. You really found a, a need and you have filled it with this. So I'm really excited to see what you come up with later, you know, down the road. I'm sure you've got a few projects that you're working on that, that we can talk about in a little bit. Oh my gosh. Yes. <laughs> so, but yeah, I, I think this is a testament to the fact that this stuff is needed. And I'm so glad that you saw the need and you filled it. So, yes. <laughs> Thank you. And um, yeah, it just, it was something I needed for me. And I think it's really cool. I think it's really exciting to be able to create something for yourself that you need. And then another person out there, even just one other person is like, hey, me too. Mm -hmm. That's That's, you know, that's all I needed was just one other person. Hey, also, thank you. Yes, that was... But it was more than that. And I'm still really, really confused by that. Um, mm -hmm. When it hit silver bestseller, which is like 251 sales, I think. I was like, that's it. I I found everyone in the entire world that is interested in this and will get something from it. And I'm so happy that I found all 251 of those people. And then it doubled and it's gold. And I'm like, what is happening? So, yeah, very exciting. <laughs> You, you should be excited. How have you dealt with the criticism and negativity that comes from the community as a creator? So surprisingly, I'm handling it better than I thought I would. This book was supposed to come out like, I mean, I discovered DMs Guild and was like, I'm going to put this out in the next month. Like it's happening. And then I spent at least two months feeling too anxious. Like I can't put it out there. Somebody's not going to like it. Mm hmm. And yeah, there's a lot of people that don't like it. There's a lot of people that hate it. I've gotten some really angry emails. Uh, emails. <laughs> <laughs> emails, DMs, all of it. Oh, yeah. I have very strongly worded words from very angry men. Uh, <laughs> but it is interesting to me how I've taken the criticism because instead of shutting down and feeling crappy about it I feel like oh hey haha I did something right because what they're angry about that you're you're angry that there's more women there's too many women in it now oh good good I did it yeah accomplished <laughs> um just little things like that like there was one man who was so he's like so angry that I would infer that there was targeted violence against women in the original story. And he continued to then threaten me. And I'm like, 
I think the point is made. I think, <laughs> I think you're not. <laughs> yeah. Okay. No, this was an excellent decision. Um, I, I feel like if you're pissing off the right people to piss off, then you're doing some good in the world. So. <laughs> yeah. And, and it sounds like most of the criticism was not, I don't think your writing was very good or, you know, the the game design here or there wasn't good. It was exactly like you said. It was the stuff you were trying to change that people were mad about. So that's, I, I feel like that, like you said, that that uh, that that about covers it. Covers it. And even if it was that my writing wasn't good, it's like, well, it was my first book. What do you expect? Right. Nobody's first book is well written. And <laughs> then the other ones, the other comments being like, you know, write something original. Don't just rip off of other. It's like, that's what DM's Guild is. It's fan fiction. Like, have you seen anything else on DM's Guild? It's all fan fiction. That's why you give 50% of your earnings to Wizards of the Coast. Yeah. Like, so, yeah. All all sorts of very bad takes. Okay, well. <laughs> but, like, I've handled it so well because I'm like, yeah, come at me. None of this makes sense to me, so go for it. <laughs> I'm glad that you're taking it well. I know it can be tough, but I, I hope that you get less threatening emails. <laughs> This came together very quickly. Uh, what were some of the most difficult parts of writing this guide? And then what do you feel like have been the most rewarding parts? Oh, man. Okay. So difficult is coordinating with other creators. So, um, you know, not the actual contacting, hiring an artist, things like that, but like plan extra time because just like, me, I'll be like, oh, I'm going to get this done by this time. And then, you know, life happens. Same with other people. And so the timeline can get pushed a little bit. I was really lucky about it. I, my my artist was the first person I reached out to. And then the rest of the art was um, had already been created. And I just kind of commissioned the use of it or things like that. Um Collaborating with people is the most difficult part, but I only collaborated with people on this book as far as artwork. Um, everything else was I wrote it out and then I would contact like my sister-in-law and be like, what do you think about this? And she'd be like, eh, maybe change it like this a little. I'm like, okay, cool. Thank you. And so, you know, that's not, not so much time restricted collaboration. Um, yeah, I think time management, too. If, if anybody's working on a project, I... Oh, setting deadlines. Okay, sorry. I'm all over the place on this. Mm. No, it's okay. <laughs> setting a deadline. I also contacted Ginny D because I was like, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this. And so I was like, hey, I'd love it if I could hire you to do a video to advertise this when it comes out. And she's like, cool, let's, let's do that. And we were planning to do it in August. And so I was like, okay, I got a couple months to get this done. August 1st, she's like, hey... When are we doing this? I'm like, hmm, I haven't written anything yet. Um, <laughs> I haven't even started. The artist only just got back to me with the portrait last week. Um, and she's like, okay, so luckily my schedule's open. How about we push it to the end of the month? I was like, thank you, Jenny. <laughs> and so we settled on August 30th. So it was August 1st. The ad was going up August 30th. And I was like, okay, I guess I need to figure out how to write a book now. And so I sat down and for 30 straight days, I just ignored my poor family and like 
tapped away at my keys and, you know, um, I'm a digital artist too. So I was using a lot of, uh, like art breeder and, and, and stock photography and morphing things together in Photoshop to create all of the individual NPC portraits. Mm. So it was just a lot of writing, a lot of digital design, a lot of layout, like 10 hours a day for 30 days, time management, people (laughs) time management. (laughs) Don't do that. You get burnt out then. It sounds like it. I'm very impressed by your uh, by your ability to meet that deadline, though. That's impressive. What about the uh, rewarding parts? Just how excited people have been. And I didn't expect it. And so every single like really sweet comment I get about it or or somebody getting on Twitter and being like, oh, I just I just bought this and I'm going to run it. And oh, my gosh, it's amazing so far. I'm like. Because I wasn't ever expecting any of that. Every single one, it's like, (laughs) thank you. Like, it it feels so genuine and so special every single time somebody's excited about it. Um, So that has been wildly rewarding. Uh, And it is also funding new projects now. So I don't have to dig into... You know, my kids' savings to be like, I just, I'm going to just borrow this to pay for some art and then I'll put it back when I make it back. It's like, no, now I've got some seed money yeah. to continue putting out content. So that is a, a very good part, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure that this guide has led to lots of other opportunities and projects and ideas and stuff. So, what are some of the projects you've got that you're working on now? I have found myself in layout design positions for other DMs Guild projects, and I love doing layout so much. So it's very exciting to me. It's like, wait, I get to spend a few days whipping together layout for this book, and then I get like XX percent of the profits on this book indefinitely. Like that is gold to me. So um, I just recently finished up one called Tasha's Scrapped Book, uh, which is like a sequel to Tasha's, I want to say compendium of something, something, everything else, something like that. And so I just did the third layout for the third um, in that, which is Tasha's Scrapped Book, which is like all the, the leftover stuff from those series. And it was so much fun. Like I had an actual blast and it's up there and I'm like, look, now I've got two things on DM Guild. I'm, I'm building a portfolio. Uh, so that's really exciting. So if anybody wants layout help, hit me up. I love it. Um, but other than that, my personal projects, I've got a whole series that I've been working on uh, that goes into helping neurodivergent DMs with stuff oh. uh, because I'm making it for me <laughs> because I need it. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, I just saw someone on Twitter today asking for resources. I think it was Sly Flourish because I just commented on it. Yeah. Yeah. I saw it like right before we went on here. I was like, me, me, I'm a neurodivergent DM. Ah, <laughs> yeah, that's the series I'm working on. <laughs> cool. One of my one of my past guests, Sean, um, has a bunch of resources for players too. He's got, he's building player screens while well, he has built. So it's got like a bunch of the basic rules and stuff for players who, who forget so stuff cool. all the time. I don't know. I just feel like there's so much cool accessibility stuff being created out there. So that's awesome. You're working on it now. It's not finished. I'm currently working on it. Uh, The first one, it's going to be a whole series, but um, the first one is um, a third of the way done. I'm not hitting it quite as hard as I hit 
that 30 days because, you know, life and also jobs and children. But um, working on that, and I'll be posting all about that on my website and Twitter as that comes up. And then also I want to dig into more horror and stuff and just, I really enjoy horror. So um, not sure quite what I'm going to do there, but something. Now that she's ancient, the show is finishing up. We got two weeks left of it. I'm going to be diverting my streaming attentions to a couple attentions. Yeah, we're going with it. We're rolling with it to a couple of other projects. Uh, another one with Gilding Light, uh, not going to be a, um, a TTRPG live play thing, but it's going to be a different type of show related. Mm. I'm very excited about that. And uh, I'm starting a one-on-one D&D with Jay Casual of Casual Creativity. Um, so that'll be, that'll be my other streaming project. And then, uh, he's also writing this incredible deep breath, like retro futuristic anime inspired TTRPG. And I'm going to be kind of leading the Kickstarter for that, that will be happening at the beginning of next year. So yeah, cool things happening. Definitely. Yeah. I think he and I were chatting today about, part of his setting some magical dust prison anyway that that sounds awesome <laughs> so you've created this guide she's the ancient you dm for kids you dm for adults you've done some streaming you've done a lot of different things so i'd love to hear your words of encouragement and uh wisdom for any new dms out there or aspiring dms or people who want to get into this kind of publishing uh, space in the TTRPG community? There's a lot of different angles to go from there. (laughs) Uh, Let's see, DMing for kids. Um, Definitely the easiest type of DMing I've... I'm also, I have background as a teacher, so I say easy, but that's... I have four children and I've been a teacher, so working with kids is like second nature to me. So if you don't work well with kids or you don't think you can handle, um, you know, managing conflict between a bunch of uh, really, really ramped up nine-year-olds, then maybe it's not the easiest option. But, you know, it's um, it's a lot less pressure running D&D for kids because they're very forgiving. Uh, they also haven't memorized the rules and they love doing weird stuff and they love when you do weird stuff. They appreciate all your voices. Uh, yeah. Try running for kids if you've never run it, like run for kids before, and you'll see what I mean. It's it's very relaxing in a in a way that it seems like it shouldn't be, but it is. It's it's like getting to be a kid and and getting to play pretend, and everybody is just really into it and a lot less hung up than some adults I've played with, where everything's got to be a certain way. But DMing DMing for kids, you do want to be well prepared i mean with if you're professionally dming for anybody you've got to be super well prepared i spend hours ahead of games just making sure i've got my content in order and things like that but uh i know that the adults i've i've run for and and maybe it's just the adult groups i've run for but they're all like you know they, they go through the motions, they do the things, and then they get off the call and they've got a busy life of working and adulting. And these kids, some of them, they're like, okay, I'm going to get my homework done, but then I'm going to think all week 
about this campaign and where we are in the story and what has happened. And I've made a bullet journal to detail everything. And so like, you got to be on top of your game of keeping track of what's happening <laughs> when working with kids because they've got the time to think about it and they remember everything. <laughs> um, let's see, DMing on a show. Whew, that is a whole different experience that I have gone through now where there's, you know, you've got to, you've got to put together your party. Uh, honestly, it's better to try and get people that have experience in live streaming, maybe acting experience or things like that. Cause you have to think about your audience first rather than your players first when you're live streaming, what's going to be entertaining to the audience. Um, and so I've, I've talked a lot about this with my friend Jay, because I really struggled with, doing this first live stream as a dungeon master and being like, I, I feel like I'm just trying to get on here and play D and D, but that's not how I'm supposed to do it. It's like, no, when you're live streaming, you have to kind of treat it more like a TV show. And some DMS get on and they try to make sure that every single, you know, maybe you have four players, maybe you have seven players and you're trying to make them all have equal story time and everybody ties in together exactly. And it ties to the plot and this and that's exhausting for the dungeon master. That's exhausting for the players. And it's uninteresting to the audience. I think I could be wrong on all this, but I've been analyzing it a lot. And even with a TV show, it's very hard. It's so yeah. hard. Yeah. That's why I never to balance that many people. Mm -mm. Oh. Even for, I never go over four players because I just like mentally yeah. I can't. And it's still too much. And if you look at a TV show, you know, because when you live stream, you work in episodes, you work in arcs, you work in beginning of the season, end of the season, these types of things. Same with a TV show. Um, even like Supernatural. There is one main protagonist in Supernatural. Like everyone thinks that, uh, you know, and this is this is my friend Jay and I were talking about this and and this is how he like hammered this concept home with me because he studies a lot of TV and stuff like that. Um, you know, everyone's like, oh, it's about Sam and Dean. This whole 15... 15 season series is about these two characters. It's like, no, at the core, it's still about one, one central protagonist. And that is Sam. Otherwise it wouldn't have started at his college dorm and had all this extra focus on him. And so finding a way to pull that into your live streaming, like pick one character, really tie them in. And that doesn't mean like they get all the talk time and things like that, but you've got to, rather than trying to tie all the characters to each other, and to the plot, it's like tie everyone to that one character and push things forward in that way. And it's going to make it more interesting to the audience too. like, yeah, people watch Supernatural and they're like, yeah, I don't care about Sam. I only care about Dean. It's like, that's fine. You can still have your favorite characters, but the show is still centered around Sam. And that's how it all kind of falls into place. So that was that was just something I kind of discovered over the last few months is trying to follow more of a TV format in building a stream. Yeah, no one has given that specific advice on this show yet. So I love that. I feel like in my home game, I can kind of do like the different story arcs that focus on one person's backstory and then, then the next person's turn and then the next person's turn kind of thing. Or, you know, you have just like, session or two that are focused on a specific uh, story point that ties into one person's backstory. But like you said, that might not be incredibly interesting for a group and it might not be the best format for an audience. Yeah. Streaming is, is a whole different animal. So 
It is. Yeah. And my when I run just Zoom games or whatever for adults, it's like, yeah, we're just in here. We're having fun. We're winging it. But there's so many considerations when you're trying to keep an audience's attention. Mm -hmm. I think the best streams do what what you're talking about. Like there are a ton out there that might just play like they do when they're playing around the table or on Zoom or whatever. But yeah, I think the best ones focus on the story with incredible detail in a way that you're describing. Yeah. And finally, the creators out there or would-be creators, aspiring creators, what encouragement do you have for them? Just do it. <laughs> Start making stuff and it's going to be weird at first and then just get better as at it as you go. Like, um, and this could just be the hyper, hyper-focused ADHD in me, but... You know, it's like, uh, for example, I wanted a really cool intro for our live stream show, something that was like black and white and edgy and had the creepy music and everything. And so I was like, I, I, I have this vision. I want it to be created. I don't know how to do it. I definitely don't have the confidence in doing it. And uh, by three the next morning, I had the intro uh, just from just getting on and just trying, just getting my hands messy and figuring it out. The first couple I was like, yeah, this is garbage. All right, this one, this is the one. Um, so yeah, just if you want to create something, there's always somebody out there that can help you with stuff that you, you really can't figure out or you do not know how to do, or you just don't feel comfortable doing those things. I don't feel comfortable making beautiful cover art. There's no way I, that is not, that is never going to be a thing for me. Um, but other people are really good at it. So, yeah, like find find people, um, figure out how to work with them. Doesn't always have. I mean, yeah, pay pay the people you work with. But you know, if everybody's broke, there's ways to get around. It's like, hey, let's profit share on DMs Guild or things like that. Um, otherwise, just just try it. Just make the things. <laughs> it has been so much fun chatting, Beth. I told you before we started recording that I've had tons of people, you know, I've been I've been gushing to other people about how I'm really excited to chat and you know, everyone else has been really excited to hear what you've got to say too. So, thanks for joining me for my Halloween episode and I have had a ton of fun and I'm really excited to see what you come up with next. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. <laughs> Thank you for joining us on this very special episode of How Not to DM. You must share this episode with a friend or loved one if you ever want to see the light of day again. Be sure to go listen to the two weeks one-shot Halloween special. All four episodes are out now, and I am a guest player. Check the episode notes or search two weeks one-shot on your favorite podcast app. The eerie music is from the free library of TTRPG tunes created by Arcane Anthems. The stormy ambiance was provided by Tabletop Audio. If you have listened to this point in the episode, your soul is now mine. Ha 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 ha